Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now we're clearly busy, We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dum Dums and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse Code and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pod, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise dice today.
Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers, Laura Elizabeth as Princess Gwendolyn, Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap, and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano, alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse, Code, and Crown! So where we last left our adventurers, you had made your way through the Bone Spurs and were on a, a small boat um, that you picked up on the opposite shore, having left the Bone Spurs now um, under the care of uh, some newly minted Dawnbreakers, a mix of um, uh, Exratus troops and uh, Dawnbreakers who had been trapped there uh, for an extended period of time with the promise that if anything went truly to hell, that uh, your friends, the explorers, would strip mine the place and blow it all to hell. Um, but with uh, the Bone Spurs and the world you knew at your backs, um, you set out uh, towards the shore on your way to confront the uh, the sisters of the Covenant of Krekate. Um, you're not quite sure what you'll do when you reach the Shadowlands, but uh, you do know that given that they uh, were part of the attack and also, uh, of course, killed the um, the butcher, that uh, they, they're a force that must be dealt with, or at least learned about, so you can learn what you need to do to defeat them. Um, so the three of you find yourselves on a small boat um, approaching uh, a shoreline. Um, the shore is um, thick with trees, and um, as the uh, kind of bone spurs uh, again v are like visible behind you, this wasn't as wide a distance as as it was to um, your sort of uh, previous shoreline um, of uh, the uh, byproduct. But it is still certainly a distance. It's not like you can yell back and be like, "We need help." Um, but they're uh, they're kind of on the horizon, but but still visible. Um, so, uh, before you stretches a long, long coastline of uh, dense trees, and um, Maka, for you, this is almost a breath of fresh air. Uh, because even though you're at distance still, just you can kind of feel the, the teeming hum of, of life. Mm -hmm. um, and it's much closer to the cycle as you, you understand it and um, as you enjoy it. Uh, so... Um, that said, um, things are a bit tense on the boat, um, particularly because, Maka, you kind of had to contend with um, leaving these undead creatures to protect the Bone Spurs, which, um, of course, sort of stands in stark contrast to um, the cycle and kind of how, how you, you think of it. Um, and I think... In terms of kind of the party, this is likely the first time that one of the edicts of Gwendolyn has really been in stark contrast to kind of your core belief system. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you, since the party kind of decided to let the people choose whether they, they would stay or go, um, it's not like she made the call alone. Um, and I th if you'll remember from our, our previous session, uh, you'd kind of put the onus on them for this is their decision. But uh, needless to say, I imagine there's still some sense now of the fact that uh, a bit of strangeness almost, because even though you were all kind of forced together um, by the events that occurred, 
ultimately you are still somewhat strangers to each other. You, you've been traveling together for a while, but um, particularly the further you get from uh, byproduct uh, and, and sort of the realm of humanity, uh, the further you get from the sense of kind of this is Gwendolyn's time and Gwendolyn's mission and more towards, well, now I guess we're just all in this together. So I guess my question to you, Tyler, is, is there anything you think Maka would bring up on this sort of short voyage um, no, I don't think so. I think he said what he had to say back on the Bone Spurs. Mm-hmm. I think his decision to let them choose was kind of his final word on it. Mm-hmm. Um, he won't forget that they made that choice. Um, but um, no, he's he's not really holding anything back for a private conversation to talk to anyone about it or anything like that. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, uh, Duncan, I imagine you're probably ruminating on um, the recruitment of new Dawnbreakers and kind of what what it means to be setting up the, the order in a way that you won't be able to control. Um, I think this quest has already taken all of you a bit further afield than, um, than you'd initially intended. But on the other hand, um, I think there's also likely some relief that there are people of honor and virtue in the world, the wider world that uh, you've been able to make contact with. And also having encountered uh, Dawnbreakers of a, of a bygone era um, is, I'm sure, a bit of a shock to the system. What do you think, uh, what do you think Duncan's ruminating on on this uh, admittedly shortish trip to the coast? Well, I mean, to fill his mind, he's probably just repairing his clothes because there's no question between all the fights and shit that they just got torn up. So he's probably doing some nice stitch work just so that it's subtle it's back to the normal magnificence of his usual uniform he's got to show it off now that he won't have to wear a poowler bear coat when Mm. it gets warmer um he's probably wishing he had more time to directly like train people but at the same time directly training people produced a series of dawnbreakers who were all kind of dicks and Mm -hmm. were useless so it might be better for people to be out in the world being Dawnbreakers, just staying true to those oaths rather than like trying to set up a whole bunch of other codes and rules. So I think he's leaning towards that as the only way to essentially create effective Dawnbreakers. But eventually he's going to have to like circle back around to see how they're doing and maybe like take some people out of the order, which is a weird thought. Yeah. And I imagine that it's that cycling, but he's not actively, he's trying to just like stay in the moment get shit done absolutely it's also very obviously difficult to predict that given that you know (laughs) you just made them yesterday (laughs) you don't have to answer now but i am incredibly curious is that something duncan has had to do before take someone out of the order i don't think so just because being in the city like i I imagine it's sort of like you're an aristocrat son you get fancy coppers congratulations you're like (laughs) i guess you're more like socially insulated on orville yeah, yeah, and he was he wasn't in charge of the Dawnbreakers. I think if they put him in charge, right, he would have taken yeah, people yeah. out. But he was the guy who got ousted for trying to follow the rules right, that's right. because he believed in them. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think as well, like it's such an old order that it would be very difficult. It'd be very easy to be disillusioned by them. But I mean, the, the ironic thing to all of this is like he got the the biggest shit duty in Orville, but he's. St- still continued to be a dawnbreaker you know it's like any idealistic cop who like really like realizes how corrupt and broken the system is but then 
still puts on the badge. Like, there's something to that idea of being kind of trapped in that cycle. Um, and yeah, I think there is a freedom now to, okay, well, I'm building this all on my own. And also, admittedly, you have no fucking clue what's happening on Orville. Uh, the, the, for all you know, all of the Dawnbreakers are dead now. <laughs> um, but even over and above that, you kind of felt like the order had fallen anyway. So this is, it's a fresh start. Yeah, it's it's his side quest where he's like, I'll keep trying to build effective Dawnbreakers, but I'm saving Orville and I have to get the princess to be a decent princess. Yeah, which ultimately, you know, having a cool army of knights doesn't matter if the person leading them is a nightmare. So, cool. Um, and uh, Gwendolyn, um, obviously a lot has changed for you over the past little while. Uh, sort of, you know, death and rebirth into armor aside, um, just kind of the constant um, tutelage of Duncan, which has shifted in character so much from when you were young. Uh, yeah. And from when it was kind of a um, a softer, gentler, honestly, more you-centric teaching. Um, when you're just teaching someone to take over a shitty, corrupt kingdom, it's ultimately like, it's all about you. This is your time. I'm going to help you. Whereas now, every like the, the, the safety's off. Everything is high stakes and everything is very real, particularly for these places you're leaving behind. So... You're kind of you've got that. Um, you're also contending with um, leadership and, and ruling for the first time, and um, at the same time, you're also starting to see the benefits of that. And I would say that on the Bone Spurs, Gwendolyn got her first real win as as a ruler. It was one thing to kind of establish, okay, we're going to try and set up an order of equals and do all this, um, but I think you know having that little girl admit that sort of your acceptance of your new state of being helped her contend with sort of an endless life of being that age um, <laughs> is is weirdly a, a very kind of personal way of seeing how how leadership works and how how uh, you can be effective as as a leader an example so um what do you think Gwendolyn's uh, thinking about and perhaps what do you think her biggest anxiety is right now um it's funny that you say that because um, I think her anxiety is just increasing a lot. Like she's had some experiences now that have gone like, okay. And, and I think she's seen that, you know, she can't, she does have it within herself to like, maybe, you know, do some good and lead. But I also think that, um, she's aware of how little she knows about what's going on. And I think she feels like she's being led to something by these people. And like, she, she doesn't know where she's going basically. And that's kind of freaking her out because I think every experience has felt like flying by the seat of her pants mm -hmm. and like other than some kind of internal codes she's developing, maybe a little bit like that's still not totally ingrained in her. Gotcha. You know, to, ha yep. to, yeah. So I think it's just like the, the unknown. And I think she's feeling like, fuck, like I'm going to like fucking blow something like big time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at some point it's, it's going to happen. Cause I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Gotcha. Okay. So that's her mindset. Woo. Great. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. Particularly, um, 
again, there's something so it's it's hard, I think, for us to conceive of because there's so much information available to us in kind of like in a in Canada and like a Western society with wide access to information, very little re- regulation about information. Like we, we can learn about all these places that we're, we're setting out to go. Um, it's so much harder when you literally just see a shoreline with trees and you know that people live there. You have no idea who they are, what they are, or like what their, their creator code is, or if you're expected to help or rule or like what the fuck. So I think that's that's entirely fair. Um, okay, so um, with uh, all of that in mind, um, as the, uh, the small boat begins to uh, approach the shore, um, you can see um, a rustling in the trees. Um, the uh, they're very uh, lush green, uh, green trees. Um, the, you can see kind of the the leaves rustle. Um, some birds kind of fly up and, and away, um, and then suddenly um, a stream of um, brightly colored, flickering objects kind of come drifting out of the woods, um, and as they approach. Um, you see they're actually butterflies of all different colors and hues. Um, they're kind of brilliant wings sparkling in the uh, in the sort of early morning sun. Um, and uh, they seem to be moving as a swarm um, rather than kind of as, um, in, the, in the way that often you see bugs moving or um, birds kind of flying in formation. Um, and this sort of swarm of butterflies begins to encircle the boat. Um, probably about a meter away from from the edges of the ship, so it's not like they're you know closing in. Um, but before you know it, you have uh, what would almost, in my head at least, looks uh, like a sine wave in um, an audio file. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a, a curve, constantly curving, moving sort of ring of these butterflies around the ship. Uh, what do you do? Does Maka recognize this kind of? Behavior from insects or anything like that in nature. Um, yeah, can you go ahead and roll me a nature check, please? Yeah, I was gonna say Duncan just looks to Maka because <laughs> yeah. somebody's gonna know he's the only one who isn't from the Sky City. Uh, Eighteen. Eighteen. Beautiful. Um, so no, this doesn't. Uh, the <clears throat> the a the, these aren't uh, you aren't familiar with this particular um, species. Although even whatever, then, yeah. it, it looks like a variety of, of butterflies. It's not just sort of one oh, okay. uh, one type. Um, but, um, you, you do recognize that, uh, this definitely doesn't look like a natural formation. This looks like a, a, uh, a guided or controlled formation. Um, for you, it likely evokes what you can do with your spores when you need to. Um, so it definitely seems as though these, these creatures are being guided. This isn't natural behavior. Okay. Particularly yeah, because they're in such a... Like, it's such an organized, like, the fact that it's exactly a meter out on all sides, right, that they're okay. maintaining it, you know, they're not drifting around, they're they're maintaining. Okay. Um, I'll, uh, I'll relay all that information to the group. I'll say, um, this is not normal butterfly behavior. Someone is guiding them, or a consciousness is guiding them. Hmm. Do you have a way to speak with this guiding principle? It sounds like if you can do these sort of things with your spores, perhaps you should be the one to make first contact. Mm, yes, I will attempt to make contact. And I'll cut my hands around my mouth and say, Hello. <laughs> In my heart of hearts, I just want these butterflies to be like, Hello. Uh, but... Um, 
the um, uh, the pattern shifts slightly. Um, it's almost as though there's still kind of a, a number of them flying around the ship, um, but a bunch of them seem to kind of almost form um, a mass um, and um, near you and kind of like focused sort of flying information by you as, as the um, the rest of them continue their, their rotation. Um, and um, suddenly the mass bursts uh, almost in excitement and um, a you see kind of the entire pattern fall away uh, and the butterflies begin to like fly quickly, quickly back towards the shore. Well, was that good or bad? What's your guess there, Sire Tortle? I do not know. Um, <laughs> yep, entirely fair. Um, well, it doesn't seem entirely hostile. Shall we continue, Francis? Well, I mean, it's it's the only thing that's engaged us so far. So, land, land ho, onward to land, to to the land, following the butterflies. Honestly, none of us are ship people, so I think we'll just go with all of the above. Uh, right. Agreed. Um, so, as you land ho to the land to the shore, I guess keep going. Um, the uh, you see, um, kind of uh, coming towards the edge of the water, um, you can see the butterflies just beyond uh, the tree line and seemingly coming closer. Um, and then uh, you it almost feels like a trick of your eyes, um, but you actually see one of the trees step forward. Um, and you see kind of as you continue to focus on it that um, it's less a tree and more a very tree-like being. Um, so kind of um, uh, very tall, um, long, kind of um, clearly uh, made of um, wood, uh, so sort of um, living wood, long arms that uh, kind of reach almost to the ground, long, thin legs. Um, we're not talking like ant height, like this isn't like a massive fucking tree monster. This is just kind of like probably like an eight foot tall um, uh, sort of uh, arboreal creature. That's so it's like I a Christmas saying. tree monster mm, okay. rather than an ant? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, in sort of the, the image for, for this one, um, think like a, like a birch tree if the, the trunk was fairly thick and then like the arms and legs were just kind of regular <laughs> thin birch tree um, lengths. Um, cool. And... Uh, you can see the, uh, it's kind of got like the, the classic like tree creature branch hair. Um, but um, there's no kind of uh, discernible face. It's just um, uh, birch bark. So I think for particularly Duncan and Gwendolyn, your eyes would naturally be trying to, as we always do when we like look at clouds or anything else, as humans, you would naturally be trying to kind of put together a face from where the, mm -hmm. the divots in the, the birch bark are. Um, and there's enough to be like, that's kind of where I think eyes are, and that's kind of where I think mouth is, but it's not like, you know, oh, he's got a, a you know, a wooden smiley face that's very easy to track. <laughs> um, it's actually very disconcerting, I think, particularly for you, Gwendolyn, um, which is ironic because you live in a suit of armor now, but as yeah. someone who is kind of used to a more stable world, uh, it's a bit wacky. Duncan, I think the greater concern for you is um, you don't know where you stab this thing to make it die. Um as a duelist, it's useful that you can see the limbs, 
but realistically, all the places you would normally aim a killing strike don't exist. Um, there's center mass-ish, so maybe that, but... Yep. Yeah, in his head, he's like, okay, I got two flasks of oil, so I might be able to set this guy on fire. But then he's looking at all the other trees and running some numbers. He's like, I don't think we're going to win a tree fight. Like, that's yep. where his brain's at right yep. now. Um, and uh, Maka, um, I don't think you're familiar with, you wouldn't have met these creatures before in, in your... No, but I'm thinking of flexing a muscle that I haven't had to flex in like a long time. Um, Maka's penis slowly rises. Yes, the penis Wait, is a muscle, he, everyone. He took two <laughs> ranks in Lorax, so now he's going to speak for the trees. Um, maybe. <laughs> um, these creatures are within earshot? I could. I yes, can... yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 I'm going to say the boat is... If we're talking turns, like you're three turns from shore, um, you're definitely drifting in for like a... Yeah. Jesus, I, I also don't know boat terms, I guess. Like, you're drifting in for a bump up against the shore and get off. Um, no, yeah. yeah. Naval well, parlance is such a beautiful uh, language. Yeah, truly, uh, truly. Going in for a bump up against the thing, <laughs> land ho to the land, let's yeah. go to the land. Yeah. All right, everyone um, prepare for the bump and get off. That's how it's described <laughs> by the Orwellian Navy, or as yes. I like to call him, that one fisherman who didn't realize <laughs> the, the fish boat. were sort of robots. Yeah. <laughs> The swan boat drivers. They're like, look out for the bump and step. Um, so uh, Maka is going to try um, speaking to this uh, tree uh, creature in uh, Sylvan. Mm. That's the language of uh, fae and fairies. Um, because fairies, as we all know, they'll, they'll make their homes in mushrooms and toadstools and things like that. So he's met a fairy once or twice. Um and uh, he'll uh, he'll just try saying uh, hello once again. Because um, <laughs> it went so well the first time. I was going to say, uh, Tyler, what does Sylvan sound like coming out of a turtle? Oh, that's a good question. Because, I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be like Tinkerbell sounds or anything like that <laughs> with his mouth open. Um, it's not like... Yeah, I think no? it's going to almost sound... I think the language of fairies is is mysterious and imperceptible in some ways. So I think coming from an ancient turtle um, who is kind of made of nature and the land to an extent, it kind of just sounds like a very, very low, like grumbling and mm. moaning sort of atone, almost like Gregorian chants, but like less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I like that a lot. Less uh, pageantry to it. So it's just kind of like, mo, mo, and that might in this case mean like hello we mean you no harm cool um so the uh the um creature seems to like uh nod kind of with its whole body vaguely emphatically um and um you can tell again based on its the the, the sort of like uh, size and length of its limbs like these things are like long strider types they there doesn't look or at least for this uh, particular creature there doesn't seem to be a lot of like agility <laughs> So it's sure. not like a fast, like, oh, yeah, it's it's it also doesn't have a neck. So there's just kind of a full body um, kind of reaction. Um, and then uh, Duncan and Gwendolyn, you hear um, a vaguely musical um, sound uh, similar to what you would hear through like pan pipes um, or any like proper just pure wood and air instrument. Um, and it sounds uh, vaguely of, of the rustle of trees and, and wind. 
Um, but it seems to be an answer uh, to Maka. And um, uh, the uh, Maka, you hear kind of as, as you're... Do you, do you think you just purely understand it, or is this like a your brain quickly translates for you kind of deal? Um, I think... Maka did not know this language when he was living his old mm, life or anything mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that. I think when he became part of the swamp and part of the cycle, he was kind of almost introduced to the fae of the swamp. Love it. And learned from there. Yeah. And I don't think he's spoken to a fairy or, or any kind of fae creature in some time. So he's probably pretty rusty. Cool. Okay. Um, so in uh, your head, um, you hear, um, yes, yes, hello. Hail and well met, uh, fair tortle. It is excellent to see you. I'm uh, my 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 scouts here, and um, you can see they gesture to the the butterflies, um, and, and as they do so, um, they seem to swirl around uh, the hand and kind of up the shoulder and along, then kind of off the other hand. Um, he said, uh, "My my scouts informed me of, of your arrival, and I was so happy that you're able to to greet us uh, in our own language. I know um, the." Uh, uh, the tongue of the root folk can be difficult for um, for for uh, those of, of your uh, particular uh, genealogy. I, the some of your other emissaries have had quite a difficult time, but I appreciate you making the effort. Um, so uh, yeah, he uh, just kind of points to to the shoreline and um, says, uh, "Please, please bring bring your your vessel up. We've been eagerly awaiting your arrival. Uh, your timing is absolutely impeccable." Um, and uh, if you can just have your uh, your lowborn uh, slaves bring your, <laughs> uh, whatever uh, amount of the uh, the Sundara you've brought with you um, to shore, um, honestly, it, it, your timing is is impeccable. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred and seventy five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the deal. It go down. It go down in the deal. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you into the Mythos Mysteries, a live play Pulp Cthulhu podcast where improvisers and comedians venture into dangers beyond their wildest imagining. The series features Claire Blackwood as Red, Ryan LaPlante as Adrian Diesel, and Tyler Hewitt as Old Man Richter in a world created by Keeper Tom McGee. Our story begins with two erstwhile companions on a long and winding road. They think they are fleeing danger, but greater horror awaits them when they arrive. For they are not just running away from mortal danger, but towards the Mythos Mysteries. Episodes are available now. What was that term they just used? Sundara? Yeah, Sundara. Sundara? I, as a player, don't know that. Does Maka know what that he means? He does not. Okay. No. Okay. No. <clears throat> uh, um, that said, you do know that, um, that the Consortium of Bleen is kind of known far and wide as tra- uh, traders and brokers. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you don't know what this particular item is, but also, like, if we're thinking them in kind of Amazon terms, it literally is like, it makes perfect sense to you that someone would be expecting a very specific thing from Tortles who are okay. arriving on their shore in the same way that if you got a knock on the door and someone was there with a package, you're like, ah, yes, the package I ordered. And you're dressed as, you know, a delivery person. So clearly you're delivering the thing I ordered. Oh, man, I wore my brown shorts. <sighs> you know, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, if you find anything spooky, at least you'll be dressed for it. Um, so you, uh, yeah, so uh, he kind of gestures to the shoreline and um, you can see that the, uh, the, the butterflies kind of almost create, uh, for lack of a better term, um, like a runway. So they begin to create um, kind of, um, in a video game, this would be like, your objective's over here, lines. Um, but just kind of guidance, um, you can see as you kind of see where they're guiding you, um, you know, there's like uh, rocks that are closer to the surface underwater, um, sunken logs, that sort of thing. So they've kind of created a pathway to get you to the shore uh, with least resistance. Okay. Um, in Sylvan, I will respond, um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak this beautiful language once again. Mm, it has been some time. And then in common, I will turn to my friends and say, uh, we have been given permission to you know, look around, make the boat go on the ground. Mm, yes. Oh, yeah, the dragon stop. Yeah, I'm ready for that. Don't worry. Uh, so I'll, I'll steer the rudder to do a drag and stop to where I drag the boat to where we stop after we hit the ground. <clears throat> it is truly majestic. Um, the, uh, the root folk um, scout kind of steps into the water as you get a bit closer and extending long branched arms. Um, it was imperceptible at distance, but you can actually see um, that uh, the arms do end in, in fingers, but um, unlike sort of human hands where we've got like the opposable thumb and then four digits, um, it, much like kind of how you'd expect branches off a tree, um, it essentially has fingers at all angles. Mm. Um, so it just kind of uses those to kind of help guide and, and pull uh, pull the ship in with uh, surprising strength for, for such a lean uh creature um and uh you um uh, obviously like uh for now at least until you figure out a way for the others to communicate um i'm just gonna speak in in common um but uh assume that anytime they're speaking they're speaking in sylvan um for now at least uh he says uh, ah yes your 
your uh, lowborn helmsman does an excellent dragon stop. It is fine form for such a primitive creature. Excellent. Uh, you've trained them well. Um, and he kind of pulls the, the boat up on the, uh, onto the shore. Um, I, will, uh, I will nod to this uh, uh, tree creature. Um, but then I'll turn to my friends and just so that they're on the same page, um, I will, uh, I'll say, uh, this creature, this tree, considers you two to be less than by nature of being human, it seems. They consider you beneath me, beneath them. I must say I have not had much interaction with other creatures, but this is a common sentiment regarding humans. I'm sorry, do they know who I am? No. No, they will not know uh. who you are. They also might not care who you are. I mean, I'm well, not crazy. that was crazy. my next question. Yeah, I'm not crazy about being considered some sort of, like, lesser than creature. But at the same time, if we've got to get past these trees to get to the Covenant of Creaky, perhaps we need to play into this. Are, are we in any danger because we're, like, less than? Mm. No more danger than you would feel from a lower being. Hmm. So, like, they're as afraid of me as I am of, like, a sparrow or a fish? Hmm. It seems that way so far, yes. Yes. Hmm. All right, well. All right, okay, I'm not... I, like, cover up my weapons. I'm just saying, if, like, a fish dies, like, we're not, like, crying about it. No, we would probably eat it. Hmm. Okay, well, make it really clear then that I guess we're your fish. I don't want them to think that we're like fish you found that you're just like bringing along for fun. Like, I want us to be your favorite fish. Mm -hmm. Yes. In a way, you already are. Mm. Yes, yes. And like, Maka like <laughs> smiles thinking like he's endeared himself to you guys being like, that was a nice moment we just had. Uh, I was going to say, uh, Duncan will accept that moment for exactly what it is because he understands the cultural differences here. Great. I just kind of have my mouth open and kind of like, well, I guess I'm going along with this. <laughs> Which is amazing because for us, you're just a mask that can't move its face. <laughs> Yeah, incidentally, we all have a really, really good visual basis for Gwendolyn uh, right now because we're all wearing masks all the time. Yeah. Um, so, um, cool. Uh, so the uh, the root folk um, introduces himself as um, uh, Bromeliad. Um, and uh, he explains to you, Maka, that um, he's one of uh, several scouts kind of posted along the shoreline. Um, there hasn't been uh, um, anyone really uh, arriving this way in, in some time, um, but uh, nevertheless, uh, the root folk remain vigilant um, because one, one never knows. And it would seem that in this case, um, it was for the best uh, because they have been desperate uh, for more Sundara and have been a little bit, uh, you get the sense from his tone, a little bit um, uh, irked that um, they haven't received any lately. <sighs> Maka, I'm sorry to say, being like 
the go-between for like a social interaction, he's not going to be as careful and sensitive as I want him to be. Um, <laughs> I think he at, he's just going to at this point say because it's been mentioned twice and he doesn't know what it is. He's just going to say, um, "What is Sandara?" Um, if a tree could split into a, a sardonic grin, this one would. Um, and um, he kind of gestures to your your boat, and he says, uh, "Well, uh, you you have some on you. Clearly, you've brought brought some with you. Why why have your your slaves not gathered it? Also, how much could you possibly bring in that small boat? Have you found a way to pack it more compactly? Mm, this is not our boat. It is one that was gifted to us. I see, but the Sandara is coming." What is the Sundara? Um, and the he kind of slows uh, his pace um, a bit and says, "You you are from the Consortium of Bleen, yes?" Mm, only indirectly, I am very loosely associated with them. They come to me for funeral rites and medicine. Medicine. Okay. Well. Uh, this is honestly a bit above my root grade. Um, I'm going to take you to the Baroness. We can kind of let her sort this out. Uh, please, this way. Um, and his, uh, his entire bearing kind of changes. It goes from being like, hooray, you're here, to kind of come with me immediately. We, right. have, <laughs> we have things to do now. Um, so uh, the three of you are led uh, by Bromeliad into... Um, kind of like deeper into the trees and even though uh, if any of you were to probably except maybe Maka um, but Duncan and Gwendolyn this is a lot of nature uh, for people who aren't used to this you're used to the very manicured gardens of Orvel not uh, you know the the wilds of, of actual forests um, but um, Following Bromeliad, you're able to actually see that there are very clear pathways through this. They just haven't been cleared. Mm. So unlike a kind of, um, if you think of like a forest path where uh, in a, a preserve or something or where there's a lot of foot traffic and there's very clearly a like, footpath that's been dug out, that doesn't exist here, but you begin to see the logic of it. There are uh, obviously places that are much easier to move through. And as Bromeliad kind of leads you along... Um, you start to realize that there is a logic to the way um, he's guiding you. And similar to kind of the mm -hmm. path in from the water, it seems they've just used nature to their advantage to create uh, what would seem to be an unpassable or very difficult terrain kind of situation into a, a much more movable one. Um, eventually, though, uh, you come to a massive wooden arch um, that uh, seems to be made of several different kinds of wood. Um, that uh, sort of um, reaches up um, in uh, in an arc. We're getting some barks from Ripley right now, so Tom has, uh, out of courtesy, uh, muted his mic. Ripley, the sounds of the woods. There are yeah. the yips of dogs in the distance, yeah. threatened yeah, by assuming. people in hallways or delivery men of the forest. Oh, there she is. Hi, Ripley. Um, some fairies, other yes. trees. Um, so uh, the famed dog squirrels of yes. the singing tree forest. <laughs> yes, uh, for which the Ontario beer barking squirrel is named. Um, so you um, you see this massive wooden arch of uh, a multitude of different um, uh, types of wood. 
um, that have been uh, sort of carved and shaped, um, and it's uh, almost um, a runic language. So it's not, you know, images so much, but um, uh, similar to kind of Norse runes. Um, you can't read it, uh, but it is clearly a signpost of some sort. If you were to venture a guess, it's as close to a welcome gate as you're likely to find. Um, and uh, the uh, Bromeliad turns and uh, just says, uh, um, please uh, welcome. Um, normally we have a few rituals and, and, and greetings, but uh, time is of the essence. So um, welcome to Haven Grove. Um, this is the um, sort of the, the main city of, of the root folk and where we conduct our affairs uh, when affairs must be conducted. Um, so um, he mentions that this is um, Eastgate. I was going to say, Tyler, can we just assume that you're doing that like running translation UN thing? Yeah. Great. It's going to be exhausting both for me and for any listener to listen to Maka. Oh, no, we don't need to. We'll just, I'll just explain. Yeah, you're yeah. slowly looming <laughs> the right amount yeah. and then saying words that are being said. And you'll let us know if there's anything you choose not to translate. Yeah, Perfect. that's that's a uh, much much better uh, better use of all of our times and years. Cool. Um, so you're led through Eastgate um, into um, the city of, of Haven Grove. Um, so uh, city is an odd term for this because everything is still nestled amongst the trees. It's not like there's a massive amount of clearings. No one's done any um, sort of landscaping, um, but you do see domiciles set up throughout um you get the sense that these serve more a formal purpose than a a practical one um mm. given that these creatures are um arboreal by nature the they don't necessarily need a place to sleep that isn't the forest um and yet um there are what look like houses almost set up um uh sort of throughout and you see sort of low-lying buildings um, th uh, think kind of um, closer to a longhouse than uh, than anything else. Um, not really any sense of two-story buildings. Everything seems to be kind of one one story. But uh, most notably, they're all absolutely festooned in um, shells and feathers. And um, if you think almost uh, what you would see in a bird's nest, um, just there's uh, they're all very very ornate. Despite being very natural, there's there's a tremendous amount of decoration that seems to have been done, um, mm. as well as as carvings and and the like. Um, so it's a confusing city to navigate um, because it is so um, wild uh, compared to kind of planned cities. Um, but you can definitely see there is a, a logic to it. Um, as you make your way through, uh, you do finally come to a pathway that has legitimately been cleared. Um, and um, Duncan, it evokes for you almost a parade route. Um, mm -hmm. Like it's just kind of a wide, direct path um, that ends in a sort of massive building, the largest you've seen. Um, and it's the only thing you've seen to date that has stonework. Um, it has a massive stone archway built into the front. Think like a Stonehenge, kind of like two big stones, one big one across the top, uh, and then the rest is is wood. Um, but in the center of this kind of pathway, um, there's that building kind of to the north. Um, as you kind of look down it, um, there seems to be a, um, a pool 
um, sort of in the the middle of the path, uh, halfway between you and um, what you can, I think, safely assume to be kind of a state building. Um, and uh, it's a naturally occurring um, pool. Uh, unlike a lot of the stuff around here, it does have a fairly, like there's clearly been a lot of foot <laughs> traffic around it over the years. Um, but it is very much like a secret glade type situation where, you know, um, even though the the area around it is clear, it still doesn't look like it's been carved out. It's just a natural, naturally occurring pond. Um, and the trees all around you still reach up into a high canopy. So everything is kind of lit through that beautiful sunlight filtered through um, trees kind of way. Uh, and uh, the butterflies, similar to the ones you saw earlier, kind of seem to drift through the air, um, and then occasionally you'll see a number of them start to coalesce somewhere, uh, and you get the sense that, um, similar to how Bromeliad used them to uh, kind of investigate you, um, it almost seems like there's just a supply of, of these butterflies mm. um, kind of drifting through the air for, for various purposes. So um, Bromeliad uh, gestures, uh, he says, uh, this is the, the path of splendor, and um, it, is, it is an honor to walk it. So uh, I, I do ask that you um, observe the, the reverence of, of such an event. I know it likely means less to you than it, it does to the root folk, but um, for us, this is a, this is a, a sacred place. Um, but if you'll follow me, I will um, I'll take you to the Baroness. Um. Mm, yes, please do. And we will we will carry ourselves with reverence through this place. Cool. Um, as we've made our way from the East Gate to the Path of Splendor, have we seen any non-Root Folk people in uh, Haven Grove? That's a good question. Uh, no, you have not. Um, okay, so we're basically the only ones. Yeah, yeah. you're the only non... So uh, yeah, so you've seen uh, the butterflies, you've seen uh, the Root Folk. You have seen um, wildlife uh, from time to time, kind sure, of darting sure. through the trees, the, the barking squirrels and such. Um, <laughs> but... Um, and uh, you can hear, um, like the, the, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of the the cacophony of um, conversation. Um, it, it's still this very kind of beautiful um, wood through, or sorry, wind through wood kind of uh, sound. Um, but you can hear multiple. Like it's one thing when one person's doing it; it sounds very beautiful and melodic. But you're in a city now, so it's just a bunch of fucking people talking in Sylvan. Um, and as a result, it's almost like um, when there's a ton of cicadas kind of in the height of summer, where it's just like a constant oppressive thing. Um, or, you know, if you've ever been to a waterfront festival pretty much anywhere in Canada, there's like mm -hmm. 80 fucking people with pan flutes doing like oh the Kill God. Bill song in different places at different times, trying to sell CDs. It's that kind of vibe. It's It's very loud. It's not like so loud that you're deafened, but it is definitely a, it is, it is a constant thing that you have noticed. All right. Um, Duncan makes a note in his yeah. head that he shouldn't whistle any music here because he might say something terrible in a foreign <laughs> language. <laughs> not a bad baseline. The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. 
As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey today. Um, so, um, uh, as you're led down the path of splendor, you begin to see other root folk kind of going about their business, and... Um, you can see that they're um, seemingly based on all manner of, of different trees. Um, some are very stocky um, and short. Um, they almost you see one that looks like it's almost been cleaved um, in half at some point. Um, some are very tall and spindly. Um, some are very humanoid in, in shape and size. Um, and it would seem that uh, though Bromeliad looks like um, he lacks much agility, um, some of them definitely look very fast. And you 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 get you know people brush past. Um, there are definitely looks um, towards you all. This does seem like a, a, an out-of-the-ordinary occurrence in um, Haven Grove. Um, it's it's not, not every day you see outsiders, so there's definitely some strange looks, but much like any big city, people are busy, and they're going about their business. Um, Gwendolyn, can you roll me a perception check, please? Yes. Uh... Three. No, 13. I'm blind. Thanks. <laughs> hard, hard to see out of armor. Um, yeah. So you start to notice, and Maka, you notice very soon thereafter, Duncan, I don't think this is something you'd necessarily give a shit about. Um, but uh, you start to see faces um, as you, you make your way through. And um, a lot of them look very worn. Um, but basically, uh, you can see that um, a lot of the root folk seem to have painted a semblance of face onto their uh, their trunk. So um, it looks, uh, Gwendolyn, to your eye, it's not dissimilar from the courtly bullshit you dealt with in Orville, where people were mm-hmm. over overpainted. Um, so think, like, uh, if we're talking kind of historical context, um, Court of the Sun King style meets... Um, Hunger Games, Pan Am, kind of like very, very over the top, over colorful, um, uh, probably fairly garish to kind of modern makeup sensibilities, but um, just big, like, you know, big flashes of green near where eyes would be and and all manner of things. Now, this isn't to say they've drawn like eyes and a mouth or anything. They've left space for a mouth and space for eyes, but it's almost like they've created masks for themselves. Um, hmm. And uh, it looks similar to kind of a lot of paint um, that's been on something too long, as though it's worn off kind of over time. Um, so, Gwendolyn, that's kind of what you get from it. Um, Maka, you're more familiar with this, actually, as you look, um, because you r- realize fairly quickly that uh, in some cases, not all, some of them seem to almost be like a berry or something that they've they've sort of used to dye these masks on. Um but the uh, the fancier looking ones uh, seem to be made um, of some sort of spore culture, and it seems as though they um, they're using uh, sort of a, a mix of spores and moss to create these these visages, as it were. Um, but again, you see very few of those, um, and the ones that do almost seem to like nod to you as you walk by. Okay, yeah, I I'll, think um, nod back with just as much subtlety. Cool. Great. 
Yeah, and uh, Duncan is, I think he's not seeing any sort of societal importance, mm-hmm. but he is really glad to see like four or five of them where they've identified where the eyes are on the trees. So he can try <laughs> to map that out to the rest. He's like, oh, thank justice. Okay, so that's where you stab them if they turn into a problem. <laughs> Great. Yeah, of course. Um, Duncan, can you roll me an insight check, please? That's a 23. Cool. Damn. Um, nice. So you, you track that, and it does seem to be fairly uniform. Um, they do all seem to have placed their face in roughly the same spot. Um, so um, I'm going to say, well, you still don't know if that'll actually drop them. The fact that they all seem to do it the same way is telling of something. Um, but I would say if you're actively trying to sort this out, then look for an opportunity to test where they can see from. Um, just as a, a hold forward for you as a sort of sub-objective to kind of figure out, do they have complete 360 vision or what? what's the deal there? Um, I think you've probably been watching Bromeliad move, move just to kind of get a sense of, of what he's capable of. Um, their joints do seem to be kind of multifaceted. Um, like, they... When, when he's kind of walking normally, it's in a very kind of humanoid way, but you've seen him, like, basically uh, back hinge his arms and legs a few times to get through things. Uh, a good visual for how he walks is uh, Jack Skellington from The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> it's a very, like, gangly walk, but um, nice. given the way his, his thumbs and hands seem to work and the way you've seen his elbows move, it's not outside the realm that these things might have full awareness, but you're not sure. So cool. something to keep in mind. Uh, cool. Okay. So he leads the three of you down the path of splendor. Um, and uh, as you kind of make your way through, you start to see that uh, um, additional decoration seems to be um, being set up along the pathway. Um, more of these kind of um, carved wooden... Uh, think like um, similar to a totem pole, but without um, any animal... Um, like totemic animals carved into it, but like very ornate carved um, tree trunks, essentially poles um, that are festooned with bright colors and um, uh, shreds of fabric. Uh, it's one of the first times you've seen um, sort of a, for lack of a better term, a processed material in, in this place. Um, and uh, it looks almost like um, small flags and pinions um, are being set up along the route. Um, I, I kind of whisper to Duncan, just kind of as an aside, like, do you think these tree trunks used to be, like, alive? Honestly, I have no idea. This could be a graveyard. These could be decorative sculptures. They could be trapped magically. I know so little about trees. I'm going to be honest. I looked up dwarves and elves. Very knowledgeable. Talking trees that sing like a flute were not on my list of expertise. I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, no. Well, me neither, obviously. Well, do they have faces on them? Because we saw a few with faces. No, they got these markings. Hmm. Maybe they're proto-faces. This is the beginning. Maybe they evolved from these. Maybe these are the primogenitors of the tree people. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out whether we're going to die. Well, I mean, I feel like that's unlikely, but you can never be sure. So I'd say set about 30%, it's on the table. That's a good neutral. Great. That's, that helps. 
Yeah, honestly, you should stay there even if it's just you and I alone in the room. That's how you stay alive. Are you going to kill me? No, but that's also what I'd say if I was going to kill you. That's why you've got to stay 30% ready at all times. God. What if, what if a shape changer had become me and went into a room with you? Well, then it wouldn't be you in the room with me. That, well, according to you, it would be. I mean, I'd know, or I'd more likely be dead. Shape changers are really sneaky. All right. So us together in a room, you know you're you, you know you're me. How likely is it that you're going to kill me? Well, I'd say minimal. But I mean, what have you done that day? Did you declare that like Orville legalized slavery again? Because then I might have to, according to the code. No, I mean, but yeah, okay. But now what if I'm like possessed or something by, by someone else? And like they're making me say these things. Well, that'd be strange, but possible. So I guess I probably wouldn't kill you, but I might take your life. And then I would have to interrogate you to figure out if you know what you know or if you know what a sorcerer would know. Well, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. Let's, let's just move on. All right, yeah, we're safe. Uh, <laughs> I'll turn and just keep walking. Great. Um... I can't believe you guys figured out my shape changer. What did you do today? Scheme. You've solved my puzzle for Act Three. Well done. Um, well done, everyone. Yeah. So we'll just we'll just call that a wash. Um, the root folk uh, give you Orville back. You win. I don't know. Whatever. Um, Take that, you shape change. And what have you done today, slavery plan? Uh, so you, um, as you approach the uh, the pool. Um, uh, Bromeliad kind of um, slows his pace a bit and um, kind of uh, gestures to keep a wide uh, berth of it um, to kind of stay away. So you begin to kind of skirt the edge of, of this pathway. Um, it kind of inclines up towards it a little bit, so it's actually pretty easy to avoid. Um, Gwendolyn, um, can you roll... Uh, insight for me, please. Yeesh. Not 20. Very good. Um, as, uh, as you approach, uh, the, the pond and begin to make your way around it, um, you actually, you can feel your armor begin to, um, to hum a little bit. Um. A pleasant hum? Uh, it's not unpleasant, uh, but it's, um, it, it seems to just be kind of reacting in some way to it. Um, I think uh, a good way of, of putting this would be like uh, if there was a minor, an incredibly minor trem uh, tremor. So it's almost like your whole uh, not that you are experiencing a tremor, but like if the ground was shaking just ever so slightly. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can see kind of a um, almost like a golden shimmer um, across the uh, the surface of it as you pass. Uh, and you get the sense that with a nat 20, um, the magic in your armor seems to be reacting to the pond in some way. Um, and you get the sense that there is tremendous magic in that water. This episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra. And the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock. And Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. 
If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc, Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.